You're listening to the Hound Steve English Podcast, a comfy place to talk about all the great and not so great parts of teaching ESL abroad. I'm Steve, and I've got Hal here too. Howdy. Today we're going to talk about a pretty interesting topic. What do you do if you have an incredibly socially awkward adult student who's killing your group classes? So stay tuned. Before we dive into the topic of awkward adult students, let me fill you in on some new stuff on Hound Steve English. As you know, we make the best ESL materials ever. At least that's what we like to think. So this week we've got two awesome resources for free. And if you go to our website, howandsteveenglish.com, you can find them there. Or you can join our private Facebook group. Uh, you just need to search How and Steve English Lesson Sharing Group. And also remember, for $9.99 a month, you can join our teacher membership program, which will give you unlimited access to all of our materials. Uh, we really appreciate all your contributions, and we promise to spend your hard-earned cash very wisely on chicken and beer and probably Korean barbecue. All right, let's get into this. How? so I think we should definitely be considered experts on this. Maybe. That might be too braggadocious, but we've definitely had a ton of really awkward classes, which probably isn't something we should talk about or brag about, but we've had a ton of adult classes, and a ton of those have had really socially awkward adult students in them. So, what would you, I guess, classify as a socially awkward adult student, just so we're all clear on the topic? Um, well, I'd say, uh, as far as in the classroom, that uh, you take it a step further, and it's a, it's a learner that doesn't want to doesn't think that they're going to have to speak, doesn't want to speak. So they go into the language learning class assuming that the social awkward part is not going to be an issue because they don't have to actually speak to learn. They can just sit in the class and listen and take notes. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really good point. And I think there's something also there because you could confuse a socially awkward student with just a shy student. And the big difference there is a shy student warms up to you eventually. They're they're shy because they don't know you yet. So what do you think is really the difference between a shy student and a socially awkward student? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as you said, that's, I guess that's the, distinct, the distinction we need to make there. Um, the shy student will, within about a month, um, start to mesh, start to speak, start to, um, you know, get comfortable with the other students, the socially awkward student. Um, will continue to sabotage your class uh, indefinitely. And they will blame the other's students and or yourself, the teacher, for whatever issues take place. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think you touched upon something else too, which is, you know, what they begin the class socially awkward and then as it goes on, you know, the frustration of not being able to communicate with other students really develops into uh, this, this anger about not being able to communicate with the other students, which then turns into types of blame, and they may sabotage your class even further. In my experience, whenever I've had socially awkward students, it's really been a big, big struggle to get them to participate, because it's it, obviously English class is more than learning a skill, it's more than learning 
uh, you know, what you would learn in a computer science course, which is something that you can just practice on your own to become good. It's communication. English is communication. You need to have other people there to communicate with. So being socially adept, at least a little bit, is really important in the classroom. And when you have those students who can't socialize, and like you said, they become frustrated, and maybe that frustration is then basically weaponized against you. It's like, man, screw, screw these these other students they're no fun and my man my teacher sucks this guy is this guy's the worst he doesn't know how to talk to me he's this loser this this random dude teaching me he sucks what can you do so i guess at first what do you think is there a difference between the different genders when students are socially awkward are there different tactics that you have for male and female students how about you know different age differences you know a younger socially awkward student do you handle differently than an older one Maybe, you know, we can go further after that and talk about some cultural differences. So, uh, I definitely suspect there's a big difference between being socially awkward in East Asian culture and then a Western culture. But, uh, first off, do you think there's any real difference in between the folks and do you handle them differently? So, um, just, you mean distinguishing between uh, different types of social socially awkward students? I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're work we most of our experiences here in Korea, so um, that's a big far as far big thing as far as collectivism. So I guess first you would start with the distinction: is it somebody that just doesn't fit the group demographically? So you've got a a group of of housewives, and then like a younger man, and then us or different different ages I mean they it's a it's, it's a big deal it's kind of weird so you may have a problem just because of the people in your class the social dynamics they simply won't accept the person the person may just be a little bit socially awkward so yeah I guess you start there figure out you know even if you break the person out of their shell it, it may not work that's a good point, yeah. So, in that situation, what would the solution be? Just changing their class to a yeah, I think to a group of folks more. I think you and me have both learned like you simply have to remove the person from the class, or you have to make a new class. Um, the clients will quit. So definitely. So you can say that whenever you have socially awkward students, maybe it's simply because. You know, maybe maybe they're a little bit weird. Let's be honest. Maybe they're just a tiny bit weird, but they're not that awkward. It's just that it's a 24-year-old, you know, graduate student in a classroom full of 50-year-old housewives, and they've got nothing in common. And especially, like you said, if you're in a culture where age matters a lot, um, then you you've really you can't speak openly. You can't speak freely. And it's an English conversation class. Then that's a big problem. That makes a lot of sense. That your first, uh, the first problem would be basically just like, what demographic are they? In? And then if you can, switching them to a different place. Um, do you think there's anything else going on? Have you have you noticed any? Basically, do you have any stereotypes of of socially awkward type of students that you'd have? Yes, I'd say 80 to 90 percent is like is that issue like we talked about, or maybe like you've got a bunch of cool cats and then like one nerdy person you know it's simply 
them not willing to yeah. bridge that gap, there's that 10% where it's literally, which is like the fun part of this conversation, I guess, like the super awkward, crazy person that you you end up with. And uh, in my experience, that's, uh, that's maybe more typically just a, a young person that like has never left home, been anywhere like college age or around college age and they just are bewildered. It's like their first time probably in a social setting outside of school. I'd say that's the most common scenario. Yeah, I think so too. It's, now that I think about it, it's... Uh, from what I can remember of the two academies, because as you guys know, Hal and I have, have run academies, English academies in Korea for about five or six years, something like that. Whenever we accept a 20 to 24-year-old adult student, you're kind of just rolling the dice on whether or not this person's had you know, the, the hard edges of their social etiquette and, and their language and their ability to socialize sanded off yet. Because... Like you said, it could be somebody who hasn't, you know, yet gone through that awkward stage of life. You know, some people go through it later when they're, they're discovering how to talk to people, how to socialize with people, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Uh, when you feel uncomfortable, you shouldn't, you know, act weird because that's just not going to work out for you. So basically, you end up, like, with 20-year-old folks acting like 12 year old kids who just joined middle school and they're not sure where they are, they feel out of place, they feel really awkward. Definitely I can see that being being a huge thing. And the real problem there is they kill a class. So if you are a public school teacher and you for, you work in a public school program for adults, if that class is killed, you know, you may not worry about it too much because you have a career there. You have you know, you have a, a job on lockdown, but obviously your bosses and the people around you are worried if a class is killed, meaning, you know, the people quit at somewhere, some line along there. Somebody's going to be unhappy. Maybe your boss is going to be unhappy that the city isn't bringing as much revenue from the adult classes, or maybe the reputation of the adult program will be tarnished because, well, you, the teacher, can't hold it together. And the more towards the business side you look, so if you're an academy teacher, a university teacher, um, or maybe you, your private tutor who has your own group classes, or an academy owner like Hal or I. These these young awkward students, or just you know socially awkward students in general, can really really have a big effect. So if you have a family and you own a study room or if you own an academy, and an awkward student destroys your class, then you might be out 10, 20, 30 percent of your, your monthly income, which is a pretty big deal. For everybody else, you know you're probably just a young a young fellow running through teaching ESL, you might not think it's a big deal, but it's a pretty big deal if you take pride in your job. You know, having somebody destroy your class and ruin a lesson, you know, while it may not really, they might may not be aware of it, um, the teacher should definitely be aware that their students aren't having a good experience. The other students aren't having a good experience, and as the teacher, you're, you're responsible for their English ability. So even if it's not about money, you should really really try to address that. So that's a long-winded way of saying how. <laughs> what did you do with those young students in your classes? Those young socially awkward students? If just changing them from that class to another class didn't work, how did you solve that problem? Yeah, so jumping into the business side of it, 
that's the that's the gray area you're gonna run into um, you got to have your policies into place and one of the policies that you may have not considered is how can I kick a person out of my class according to a policy so those policies have to be in place and before the class before the person's paid and, and if you don't have those policies in place then you may just find yourself in a situation like this got this horrible person just just going crazy in every class and and what do I do like what do I say like how do I get them out you just say you can't just say hey you're too crazy to be in my class you you have to have legitimate policies in place um, so can you tell us an anecdote about a particularly awkward student and what they were doing to violate the other students' boundaries? And what policy did you have then, or what policy did you institute after that to make sure that didn't happen? Yeah, so uh, the example that the example that comes to mind... Don't say any names. <laughs> we gotta make sure we don't say any um, names. Like I said, I, the most common case for, for me was like a, a college age, so uh, had this young lady, I think she had just started college, and um, in the U.S., the stereotype we have to, to put things in perspective is like a homeschooled kid, right? Yeah, those are the, that's yeah, what we think of when we think of someone that's had no social settings exposure. What the equivalence in, of that in Korea is, I don't know, um, but... I think it's a little broader spectrum because they're just they don't have as many chances to get out socially but anyways maybe uh, 20 years old and she just she didn't know how to have a hold a conversation of course um, she would make kind of weird sounds randomly you know that would just you know kind of freaked us the students out she would just she would space out she would do other things and then she would just you know make the generally like super awkward statements that you're not supposed to say in public or around other people if I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and guess who you're talking about. Didn't that person also profess their love for a few different male students? Oh, I'm not. I'm not talking about that one. There. All right, they're, I retract that statement. That's not who we're talking unfortunately, about. Unfortunately, there are more than one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the second part there is, uh, you said what, how it was handled. Um, so, we have you have a semester system in place. So the semester system was three months so it's not as though this person signs up and then they can just study for years there are three month semesters and then the students are reevaluated after the three months class is concluded can I can I stop you there and ask you about that because for four years when we ran our adult programs prior to this semester system and for those listening this doesn't mean your typical public school or university semester system it just means that they enroll for a chunk of time they don't get to enroll for an indefinite period of time and and basically they they can't just renew their membership every month as Hal said they have to be reevaluated every three months to figure out where they'll be placed 
that's that's definitely key, I think, for everybody, right? So if you have the ability for people to just renew their membership, you don't really have a place to hide behind saying, you know, you don't want to tell them, listen, you're ruining this class. You don't really have a place to hide, though, because you basically have to wait until they quit of their own volition. And meanwhile, everybody else is having a terrible experience in class. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. It's really smart. So that semester idea, which really just means uh, having them pay in blocks or having them join in blocks and then having the ability to continue with them at the end or you know, remove them or place them in a different class at the end. Is, uh, yeah, we have, the, we have four semesters in a year, three months each. Yeah, but let me say the real gem here, I think, if anybody's listening and like has this problem, I think this is the key is when you before you before you make any sort of agreement to teach anybody you say I'm gonna have an interview I'm going to interview you before you agree to have the class and that is that is a filter for many many things that, so you uh, first of all you can you know before you might have a crazy person so you just need to have a conversation with them but beyond that if you have someone that you feel is socially awkward at that point, what you do is you say, you can say very truthfully, you're not ready for our group conversation class. You need a one-on-one -on -one class to prepare you before you can be in, a, in our group conversation class. And the one-on-one -on -one class is expensive. And so, they will rightfully pay you for you to deal with them one-on-one -on -one because they, they need to be taught more than conversation. They need to be taught how to, how to function, how to have a conversation, how to be in a classroom setting. And you charge them a lot of money. And if you can take them to a point where they're ready to be in a class, then good on you. And if they don't ever make it, then they just quit your one-on-one -on -one class. So would that be your big, big solution? For me, that's the right big there. solution. Um, and if you don't want to do a one-on-one -on -one class, then you just make it too expensive. Make it too expensive or say it really depends on my available right. time. Right now, all right, my, you've got some my time's there. Yeah. So that really covers the basis for a lot of different types of teachers, the online ESL teacher. Um, so believe it or not, they do group classes as well your general private teachers or tutors who are going around and doing group classes here or there. Definitely covers your academy owners. Definitely covers people who, teachers who do profit sharing with academy owners. So that's basically like you're your own entrepreneur there, teacher entrepreneur. Now for a public program, which would include, you know, there, there are a lot of adult programs out there. There are a lot of adult programs. One of our friends, Mark, uh, teaches at a, a public adult school, basically, um, down in Piontech. So, you're definitely going to be in a situation, or some teachers will be in the situation, when you're employed, you've got a salary, and you're not able to weed out students, so to speak. And in that situation, which I've only been in a few times, in my university experience, um, when I taught, or I guess when we both taught here at one of the local universities, you don't really have all those 
powerful, powerful techniques that you can use as a business yeah. owner. So, from what I remember, and you know what I thought really worked well was, I guess your first line of defense is talking to your superiors, and right. they probably aren't going to care at all. They don't because it doesn't directly affect them. You know, so your number one concern should be your students, and then your secondary concern should be the business. Um, so your number one concern would be like this kid's ruining this person is extremely socially awkward they're violating everybody's personal space or everybody's personal boundaries this is uncomfortable you should really bring it up to your superiors because that's unacceptable behavior to be frank though I don't think superiors really care they have so many other things going on and they too are teachers and they've had to just endure um, you know terrible classes before in the past and strange individuals and they think that's just part of being an ESL teacher. So if if that doesn't get you anywhere, talking to your superiors, which I assume it wouldn't, uh, the next thing you got to do is be really creative with how you organize your class. You've got to isolate that student or limit the exposure of that student with the others. And in my experience, that's definitely going to be pair work, which we do pair work all the time anyway, but you much rather do pair work that way that person has to share time with only one other student and they'll probably feel a lot worse about capitalizing a conversation with one other student than they would if they were capitalizing the conversation in a group. In my experience, the socially awkward students, when they do want to speak or when they do want to behave strangely, they really destroy group activity. So maybe they're not even speaking, maybe they're just, you know, so, they have such low self-esteem and they're so socially awkward that they just, maybe they're just being pouty in the corner, which is strange to talk about adult students being pouty, but they do that. You know, these, these adult students do that. Oh, this is stupid. I look stupid playing this game. I don't want to do this activity. They'll ruin it. You've really got to limit it to pair work. And then as often as you can, as, and as much as it sucks, you got to pair them with yourself. So you got to pair them with the teacher, which is never fun <laughs> but you've got to think about your other students and it's much better for that socially awkward student to violate your personal boundaries than it is to allow them to do that to everybody else um, I don't know what else you could really do there uh, yeah what do you think? Um, I think right on I now that I think about it I've actually got one current student um, who you know you can make the, the, the connection there right, later. Yeah, I'm trying to toss, toss, toss me a brother. Toss me one hit. You know, ah, who, of who yeah, I speak. Yeah. Sorry to all of our listeners who don't get to know all the juicy details here, but uh, we don't want to get sued. We're hurting by yeah, but really. You're getting into, yeah. like, I guess, the art of teaching, and the art of teaching is, is like, control as a teacher, controlling the flow of who has, who gets exactly how much speaking and transitioning from one student to another, and that's like the fine point of teaching once you really get into it. First, it's like teacher-centered or student-centered, and then if you're doing student-centered, which we do, we want as much student output as possible, we want them speaking a lot, then you have to control the dynamics of of with how long they're speaking, are they doing pair work, um, and there's a science to that, but um, yeah, I think 
you're 100% correct. That's what I do. I minimize it a lot by doing um, pair work. That student has to be included, but you've got to minimize how much time, how much destructive time um, they do. So yeah, I do pair work and I typically pair myself with that person. And then I, I limit, I basically, I limit their, you know, their control of the podium, so to speak. And I maximize the, the time that the more, um, fun students have. Definitely. I think that covers all the bases then. Um, if you're in a public school program or if you're in a program where you don't have control over student enrollment, you really don't have as many tools in your belt, but definitely try and focus on pair work activities. In that way, a socially awkward student can't really ruin everybody else's time in a big group activity. You know, they, they really could monopolize the time in a group activity and ruin it. Also, you know, try and pair them up with yourself because what makes them socially awkward is that they either ruin the time, uh, they, they don't know, they're too awkward to socialize, which means they're too awkward to communicate, which, you know, isn't about, that's a really sucky experience for another student to just sit there awkwardly across from another student as they waste their time in their life. But also, they do violate those boundaries that everybody has. They, they do get too familiar, too weird, just, just real weird. So you've got you to gotta focus on pair work, and you've got to focus on minimizing the time and the contact that the other students have with them in those other classes. Again, we're talking about socially awkward, not shy students. It's very different. Um, now, if you do own your program, or if you are, if you have some power over enrollment, so that means if you're a tutor, private teacher, maybe you're doing profit sharing, teaching at, a, at one of the schools uh, or academy, or you're an academy owner yourself, you have a lot more in your tool belt. You can inform, put in place some policies, and if they break those policies at any point while they're enrolled, they're out. You can give them a cautionary warning that says, hey, listen, let's, let's play this carefully for a month or two. If you're not up to this class, you know, I'm going to recommend that you change classes. You can do that too. And like Hal said, you definitely need to make sure you interview your students before they enroll. And if you notice that something's not quite right here, and the student's going to wreck my class, go ahead and tell them they're not ready to be enrolled in that particular class, and tell them they need to join private class, uh, a one-on-one -on -one class. And if you don't want to teach one-on-one, -on -one, tell them you don't have available time. You probably shouldn't tell them directly that they're weird, because that's pretty rude, you know? They'll figure it out eventually. Most people will figure it out eventually, and they're just working through they're working through the weird part of their life, you know. Everybody goes through it at different points, but for the most part, you know, we're we're talking about people that didn't get a chance to socialize yet, so they're just they're just going through it. But you don't want to. People aren't coming to your program to help somebody get over their their awkward stage. So you just want to make sure that it doesn't negatively affect your students. That right, is Hall, anything uh, else a good summary there of uh, everything. Let me just add a quick blip here with the pair work do not stick them together for an hour or 30 minutes. Rotate, 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 rotate your pair work. That way, if if you can't stick yourself with the person for 30 minutes, you know, you limit two to, you know, two minutes, 10 minutes, like how much the other students have to be with that student. Do not stick a single student <laughs> with them for 30 minutes.
Yeah, I guess we, we kind of made a big assumption there. Yeah, guys, don't do 30-minute pair work. That's very stupid. Two, two, three, four, five minutes. Five minutes at the most, two minutes at the lowest, and rotate. If you only have two or three students in your class, get creative with it. Do uh, have a few different prompts so that the conversation stays fresh and rotate them through each different prompt. But if you have eight students in your class, you'll be able to fill up 30 minutes no problem doing pair work activities, which is what your goal should be. Alright, well, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to visit our website, houndsteamenglish.com, where you can go ahead and get these podcasts, and you can get our awesome free weekly lessons. And if you really want to support How and Mai's delicious, delicious chicken addiction and our Korean barbecue addiction, which is only recently becoming a problem, but we're kind of curbing it, go ahead and purchase a teacher membership. It's one cent less than $10. That means $9.99, so it's a pretty good price. Oh, it'll save you. That's all you need is a good, a solid teacher membership with the resources you need, and it'll turn, like, a survival situation into a breeze. Uh, that's my experience, at least. Yeah. We got some good stuff, if you don't mind us saying so. And uh, we really appreciate all the support. All right, guys, we will catch you the next time, I guess.